0: Do you have questions? Do you need answers? The Pastor Study will help you find those answers through God's Word. Our teacher today is Pastor Tom Brock. The Pastor Study is sponsored by PastorStudy.org. So grab your Bible and join us for The Pastor Study.
1: Welcome to the pastor's study and this half hour, we're going to talk about overcoming homosexuality. We have a guest with us today. His name is Dan Pumala of Outpost Ministries. Welcome, Dan.
2: Thank you for being here. And
1: we're gonna talk about the myths of our culture on this issue today. First of all, tell us, what do you do as the director of Outpost? What is Outpost?
2: Outpost is a ministry we've been around for 35 years. And what we do is we help people in their journey towards wholeness. We disciple people struggling with homosexuality, help them to align their behavior with their moral beliefs based on the Bible.
1: Well, let me quickly tell our viewers what happened to me recently. And maybe they heard about this in the newspaper or not. I personally have struggled with the same-sex attraction temptation most of my adult life. And for like eight years I went to this Catholic group, I'm a Lutheran, but the Catholic group is called Courage, for men who remain chaste and live pure lives but who struggle with the temptation. And I spoke against same-sex marriage at the state capitol. A guy that used to be in this Courage group left the group and went into the homosexual lifestyle he saw me speak against gay marriage. He went to this homosexual magazine and told them you can sneak in here and get Pastor Brock. So they had a a reporter lie his way into our confidentiality group and wrote this awful article, basically strongly implying that I was doing things that I've never done. It was a horrible mess. Mm. So that is why we're doing a show today on homosexuality. And you know, I've, by the grace of God, you can stay a virgin at age 57. You don't have to give into this. And I want to ask you about how you, because you had this struggle too growing up. I want to talk about, and you're married now to a woman, uh, so we're going to talk about your story, my story. But before we get to our stories, I thought we should just spend some time talking about the myths. Because every time you turn on Ellen or Oprah, you get these horrible myths that they speak as if they're facts okay so let's talk about six myths and get your response to them and then we'll talk about our stories and how do you if you have this struggle in your life what do you do with it all right okay myth number one. Ten percent of the population of america is homosexual
2: now this is a vast left-wing conspiracy <laughs> <laughs> this particular one there's a group called the ten percent society who knows that this is a fabrication it's a lie, and yet they use that number on purpose to swell their numbers in the minds of the general public. Mm-hmm. Really, the population that struggles with same-sex attractions is around three mm-hmm. percent,
1: mm-hmm. and even less for women. Even less yeah. for women. And the figures I have is two point eight percent of men and one point four percent of women uh, identify themselves as homosexual or bisexual. So it's not ten percent; it's much smaller. Right. That's myth number one. Let let me ask you about myth number two. People
2: are born homosexual. Right. You know, there's been a lot of so-called science out there to study this issue of why people become homosexual. Most of the science has been done by gay activists mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, what people fail to do is read the conclusions of their studies, mm-hmm. because in every case, the solution or the conclusion of every study is Well, this doesn't really mean that people are born gay, or that this gene or that hormone caused homosexuality, and we need to do some more study.
1: Yeah, and even the American Psychological Association, which is quite liberal, and back in what, 73, 1973, right, declassified homosexuality as a
2: mental disorder.
1: Disorder, even they recently have said, uh, all right, there's no evidence that it's genetic. Mm-hmm. All right, even, they have, even they have had to admit that. Right. All right. So it's a myth that people are born homosexual or that there's a gay gene. They haven't found one. Right. But you know, Dan, let's say they did find someday a homosexual gene. Highly iffy, but let's say they find it. Does that mean you are obligated or you have the right to engage in homosexual behavior?
2: Well, absolutely not. Of course, all of us, and we know this uh, across denominational lines as Christians, all of us were born to sin.
1: It's called original sin. We all inherit Adam and Eve's disease called sin.
2: Exactly, and that does not exonerate us from responsibly following the law of God.
1: There even, you know, I don't know if I believe this, but there have been some studies that indicate criminal tendencies Mm -hmm. can be inherited. That doesn't give me the right to rob a bank. We we've all we all have original sin. We're all born with sin. It comes out in one way in you, in somebody else, in some other way. But that doesn't give you the right to practice it. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Next myth. Myth number three: Homosexual relationships are no different than heterosexual ones.
2: Well, this again is another fallacy. Um, You can't have two men uh, bringing up children. And, and having the children understand what it means to be a man or a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't have two women bringing up children and having the children have an, an equal understanding mm-hmm. of what a man or a woman is. Um, really what they find is that um, domestic violence is dramatically increased in gay relationships, particularly lesbian relationships. Mm-hmm. So if we're a society that claims to be against violence, then we ought to also um, try to eliminate some of the places where that happens. Yeah. That's gay relationships.
1: Well, sadly, in America today, when I was real little, this wasn't true. But in America today, heterosexual premarital sex is everywhere, and mm-hmm. it's high. But if you look, I, I'm going to quote now Lambda, and this is that's not a that's a gay publication. Exactly. Twenty four percent of gay men have had more than one hundred partners. 43% of gay men have had more than 500 partners. 28% of gay men have had more than 1,000 partners. And th- that makes them open to all kinds of diseases. And so um, the, th- the point is, yes, heterosexuals are sinning a lot in our culture. But for homosexual men especially, the rate of partners is just choo- through the ceiling.
2: Right, they, they, you know they use the term committed relationship to sort of justify mm-hmm. um, gay marriage for example but there is really no such thing as an exclusive relationship in the gay community yeah. they try to promote it as mm-hmm. such but they don't use that word because they cannot they are there is a lot more promiscuity amongst well, homosexual The way
1: relationships. that this was, I'm a Lutheran and I'm not ELCA Lutheran anymore but the way that was sold to the Lutheran church is we need to let these pastors who are homosexual in loving, committed relationships be pastors, and we need to affirm this and bless this in the church. And the ELC voted to do that now, tragically. But when some of these people in, in my courage group would say is when, they, when, when a couple, homosexual couple, a male couple, they're not really, exclu- I mean, they still do all kinds of stuff on the side. Exactly. It doesn't mean like it does in, with heterosexual relationships.
2: Well, there is a mutual understanding and agreement That it's okay to step out of the relationship. That's the norm. But how would you feel if your partner was stepping out on you? Mm -hmm. It would leave you brokenhearted, and the relationship would crumble. And that explains why these relationships are so short-term. And
1: I think the reason there's so many sexual partners for homosexual men, anyway, it's a reparative drive. Something when you're little didn't you didn't bond with your same-sex parent? That's what I believe, and so you're trying to look for your masculinity and y- people do it through sexual means, and it never works, so they're always trying to repair the, I mean, is, is that, uh, explain this.
2: Yeah, that's very common. Um, there's, there are two dynamics that work together. The first one is defensive detachment. That happens when the little boy, for example, has uh, something against father and says, you hurt me, go away. And then um, later on in life, they try to get back their relationship and they understand intrinsically that there's something wrong if I'm not relating to my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they come up against a brick wall. They don't know how to connect. Well, puberty kicks in and they realize I have to connect. Well, maybe the only way I can do that in their thinking Mm -hmm. is through uh, uh, connecting with other people like me. In a sexual way. Right, and then that, of course, leads to homosexual behavior between the two.
1: What do you think about this, Dan? I, I don't think it's genetic. What I think happened to me and to a lot of homosexual people with this struggle anyway is early in life, we're talking ages three, four, five, I never bonded with my father. And I didn't get that clear sense of who I was as a man, from a man, from my dad. Mm-hmm. And so as I grew up, I was confused. And so I think you start looking for love in all the wrong places. And again, by the grace of God, I never acted on that, but it still set up this confusion and this struggle. And so I think it's an, an environmental thing. It's, I think it's nurture, not nature. Uh, what's your opinion on that?
2: I agree with you for the most part. Um, there, there have been some indications that there might be some personality traits that might like, lend somebody. If you're overly
1: sensitive or something? T-
2: right, or artistic and then you, okay. and you grow up in a culture or an environment that's very macho that you don't identify with the traditional masculinity things. Mm-hmm. So you go try to find where you do fit into masculinity. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it makes total sense to me that that we call the reparative drive um it's a good drive but when it becomes sexualized it crosses a boundary okay
1: so dad bond with your children early mom bond, bond with your daughters early
2: exactly um, fathers have the power to name their children both boys and girls and if the fathers are absent emotionally or physically if they're unable to tell the child this is who you are you belong to me mm-hmm then the child is going to go looking elsewhere, exactly.
1: All right. Myth number four, AIDS is as much a risk for heterosexuals as it is for homosexuals.
2: Well, all you have to do is study the um, AIDS statistics here in the United States. Now, I do think that they're different in other parts of the world, Africa, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, the, the, the way that AIDS, the HIV virus is transmitted, primarily comes through homosexual types of behavior. Mm-hmm. And so, biologically and medically speaking, no, it, it, it doesn't play favorites. No.
1: And this is from the Centers for Disease Control, not a Christian group, that's the government. Right. The Center for Disease Control says, get this everybody, homosexual men are a thousand times more likely to get AIDS than the general male heterosexual population. Wow.
2: A thousand times. A
1: thousand times. Uh, let's try the next myth. Um, the Bible t- does not condemn homosexuality, only promiscuous homosexuality. What's your view on that?
2: Well, there are thankfully there are very few passages that talk about homosexuality in, in the Bible, and of course that term homosexuality does not appear in the Bible. Mm-hmm. What does appear in the Bible is behavioral descriptions of sexual behavior that is proscripted. In other words, God said, uh, don't do these things. And then it lists a Mm -hmm. behavioral description for homosexuality in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. So the scripture doesn't uh, uh, talk about homosexuality in the way that we 21st century Americans think about it it speaks only about behavioral terms. Mm-hmm. And so we we have a difficulty in communicating with our 21st century culture, um, unless we translate the uh, words of scripture for what they are, okay. behavioral descriptions.
1: Right, so I don't think the Bible condemns a person for getting tempted in any way. Oh no. It's acting on the
2: temptation. Exactly.
1: Now, when I was going through my agony after this awful magazine article came out, I got a letter from a, retired, thank God, um, Lutheran leader, Mm -hmm. who wrote me a letter, um, very polite, but from my point of view, very awful and he said, quote, um, I used to share your conviction, because I, I wrote an article for the Star Tribune to respond to this magazine where i said, yes, I do believe practicing homosexuals go to hell. That's what First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11 teach. I struggle with the temptation. One reason I don't act on it is I don't want to go to hell. You know? mm-hmm. And I wrote that for the Star Tribune, basically. This, this Lutheran former uh, leader saw it and wrote me this. I used to share your conviction but I now see that I was totally ignorant. Uh, Homosexual people have taught me, etc. and Bible scholars, liberal Bible scholars have taught me, etc. Here's what he says, Same-sex activity in relationships of love and faithfulness is the gift of God, received with joy and thanksgiving. The experience of such love rightly uh, calls for gratitude, not repentance. In other words, here's a leader in the the church saying, uh, and I won't give you his name, but he's a big leader, that same-sex sex sex is no longer an abomination like the Bible says it is. In fact, the Bible only condemns loving, uh, unloving, promiscuous gay sex, not loving, committed gay sex. My response to him, I wrote him back, and this man has led a lot of people astray for many years, and and I said to him, and I got more blunt with him than I ever have, I said, my prayer for you is that before you die, you publicly renounce what you have said on this issue because mm. you are leading people to hell. Exactly, He's telling people you can live in impenitent sin and still go to heaven. That's not what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. And my, what I say to this, this, the way this whole homosexual thing was sold, To the ELCA Lutheran Church was the Bible does not condemn loving committed gay sex. My response to that is read Leviticus 18, read Romans chapter 1, read first Corinthians chapter 6, read first Timothy chapter 1. There's about nine different references that deal with homosexuality. It, it always says that the behavior is wrong. It never adds a, a, a comma, but if you really love each other, it's okay. That's not in the text. So these guys are making this up. They're overthrowing not only the scriptures, but 2000 years of Christian teaching. And I think they're, you know, old Maynard Force was the pastor that I uh, was under when I came to Hope Lutheran 30 years ago. And he said, as we went to the bishop's office to do an debate on this, because the bishop was very liberal back then, he said, these people are nicing people right into hell. Mm -hmm. And they think they're being so nice by saying, go ahead and do this behavior. It's not loving to tell people to do something that'll land them in hell. Now you have to debate these people now and then. How do you respond to that?
2: Well, there, there almost is no response. It's very, very difficult to argue with somebody when they don't argue on the same basis. Mm-hmm. I happen to know who you got this letter from, mm-hmm. and my discussions with him have been very shocking indeed. Um, for example, he said to me, well, I hear your arguments from scripture, and they seem to make sense on the face, face of it, but there are other books.
1: Than the Bible. Than the Bible. And this is coming from a Lutheran who is supposed to stand on scripture alone.
2: <laughs> exactly, yeah, no, they, they gave up scripture, I think maybe 50 or 60 years ago mm-hmm. in, in the ELCA in groups like that back then because um, they didn't mesh with modern psychology. Yeah. And so now yeah. we lift up modern psychology and, as the ultimate authority. Yeah, as, uh, as equal authorities. So okay. that means the Bible has no authority yeah. anymore.
1: Yeah, uh, let's go to the next myth. Homosexuality is unchangeable. How would you respond to that?
2: Well, um, I would like to cite a study that was published here at the University of Minnesota by uh, a professor, uh, Dean Hamer, quite a number of years ago. And he said back in about 1991 that um, when they studied uh, homosexual orientation or same sex attractions, they found that about 25% of seventh grade boys, that's age 13, 12, somewhere in that neighborhood, about 25% of these boys struggle with their sexual identity. They did the study for a number of years and they found out by age 21 or 25, full adulthood, only about 3% of males struggle with their sexual identity. Mm -hmm. In other words, without anybody doing anything or saying anything, in general cultural terms, boys who may have questioned this at one time in their life grow out of it mm-hmm. automatically. The, uh, they use that um, to, to coin a phrase called fluidity in sexual orientation. So they agree that there is quite a lot of change. Now the only thing that they don't like hearing um, is that people who struggle with same-sex attractions can be married can have a heterosexual You're lifestyle. To a woman. I'm married to a woman. Do yes. you
1: still ever get tempted?
2: Uh, do I still get tempted? I am a human being. I have temptations. Jesus had temptations. Yeah,
1: temptation is not the sin,
2: and that is not the sin. Exactly, we really need to distinguish between temptation and activity, sinful activity. So, um, I, I agree that people can change, and I agree with a secular. Writers that they do change. Yes, indeed. Um, It's just that it's not politically correct to state so.
1: Here's what's interesting Dr. Robert Spitzer is one of the psychiatrists back or psychologists back in the 70s that helped declassify homosexuality disorder for the American Psychological Association. Recently, he's changed his mind and uh, he said, quote, like most psychiatrists, I thought that homosexual behavior. This guy is an agnostic Jew, so he doesn't have Christian motives behind him. I thought that homosexual behavior could be resisted, could not be resisted. Uh, but, excuse me, I thought that homosexual behavior could be resisted, but that no one really could change their sexual orientation. I now believe that's untrue. Some people can and do change. Contrary to conventional wisdom, says Spitzer, some highly motivated individuals using a variety of change efforts. Can make substantial change in multiple factors of sexual orientation and achieve good heterosexual functioning. So, um, and you know what? I don't. I mean, I don't call myself a homosexual or a gay Christian. I don't think that's helpful. The way I see myself in Christ, I'm a redeemed, forgiven, healed heterosexual male who struggles with same-sex attraction. Otherwise, you know, this whole orientation thing, it's kind of like, I think the myth of it is God makes you this way, He gives you that orientation, and even God can't change it. What would you say?
2: Well, of course, that's ridiculous. If God made me one way, He could change me and yeah. make me something. And He some, didn't make us of, that way, by the way. Right, no, I don't believe that's at all scriptural. But God's yeah. creation is heterosexual. It says yeah. right in the very first chapter of it the Bible. Does. So
1: we're all created heterosexual. We're all created male and female.
2: Yeah, if we're human, we're created in His image as male and female. That's heterosexual. Can't get more heterosexual. Can I tell
1: you what Martin Luther said about homosexuality? Go for it. He called it an invention of the devil.
2: It is exactly that. (laughs) I have never
1: heard a Lutheran bishop quote (laughs) Luther on that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, they'd be hard pressed to to claim to be the same uh, belief system as him anymore.
1: Well, listen, we've got about five minutes left. Let's spend the rest of the show asking this question. So, if someone watching this program struggles with same-sex attraction, they come to you at Outpost. We'll put your name up on the screen in a bit, but how, what should they do if they've got this struggle?
2: Well, number one, don't give up. God has given you all that you need for a life of godliness and contentment. Mm-hmm. It says that right in the New Testament. Okay. And so we, we, we want to discover that with people. We want to discover how can I be content being the way I am, struggling with the issues that I struggle with and um, and how can I be godly when I struggle with such an ungodly temptation mm-hmm. well it 's the struggle that every Christian has it 's just that we have a hard time talking about it because it 's very embarrassing and mm-hmm. um, some in some circles, um, we cannot talk about certain sins well, at outpost. This is a safe place to talk about these things. Let's
1: put their, their name on the, on the screen now. It, you, know, you have groups for young people. You have groups for older people. If you're a man or a woman, you, there are groups that you have, a support group where you can talk through all these issues. Uh, Outpost, you can call them at 763-592-4700 or go to outpostministries.org. But I, I think you need support in this battle, don't you?
2: Right. Um, Jesus called us to walk in the light, as He is in the light, and will have fellowship with one another. Mm -hmm. One of the big things is isolation. Uh, People with same-sex attractions feel like they're the only person who has ever felt what they've felt, and that nobody would ever believe them if they told them they wanted to be a Christian and walk with Jesus. Well, we do that at Outpost.
1: And let me ask you this. So, somebody's daughter says, Mom, I'm a lesbian, or Dad, I'm gay, what would you counsel the parents to do in that situation?
2: Well, you know, that's a very difficult situation. Um, each family is going to have their own principles and their own understanding of what this issue is going to mean for them and what they're going to need to do about it. So we're not going to come and tell a family, you have to allow your gay son or daughter to bring his lover home for Christmas mm-hmm. and and let them sleep in the same bedroom. Mm-hmm. No, we're that's not- not loving. To, no, it's not but we're not also gonna tell them you cannot allow them to come to your home. It's really gonna vary between family to family and what's gonna happen. And we're gonna distinguish love, tough love, versus pity, which is soft and doesn't doesn't really call people beyond where they're at.
1: Sadly, Bishop Herbert Chilstrom, who was the first bishop of the ELC Lutheran Church, I guess he's got a gay son, but from my point of view he's sold the farm on this issue. He's been very vocal promoting homosexuality in the Lutheran Church and he wrote, recently wrote a rather snooty newspaper article saying to these churches now they are leaving the ELCA, what is it about sex that pushed you over the edge? And the response to Bishop Schellstrom is, it's not sex, Bishop. It's you and people like you that have been pushing this on the church mm. for 25 years and leaving scripture. And he, he says in this article, what are you, the conservatives, going to say to your children when they say, I am gay, as if only liberals know what to say? I'll tell you what they should say, and you, you can too. I love you, son. I'm going to pray for you because I love you, and I want you to spend eternity in heaven. Because I don't want you to die early from AIDS, I'm going to walk with you, I'm going to pray for you, we're going to take you to Outpost, we're going to get you some Christian help. That's the loving response. To say go ahead and get into that lifestyle, that's not loving.
2: No, it's not. And uh, parents do need also to be walking in a community with other parents in a similar situation.
1: Yes, and you've got groups for that.
2: We do, we, and, yeah. and we will be having more groups um, as time goes on. But uh, um, what, I, what I meant to say is uh, many parents struggle with feeling like if they tell anybody in their church, they'll be ostracized mm-hmm. or they'll be looked at as being politically incorrect mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah. So we want to create an environment where even parents can have support to do the things that God is calling them to do with Great. their own families.
1: Well, Dan, we just got a minute. Let me just say this to our our, our uh, TV audience. Thanks so much for being with us. You're welcome. We are now launching onto other cities with our ministry now. And so we are going to uh, take this show. We're going to still stay in the Twin Cities, but we're also going to be launching into some other Lutheran areas, probably like North Dakota, Iowa. With this ministry, just want to ask you to pray as we go, because we want to put the other. We're still going to mainly preach the gospel on this show, but secondarily, we're going to talk now and then about this issue too, and that you can have the struggle and still say no to it and follow Christ. So, as we expand, would you pray for us? If you'd like more information, we're going to put our new website on the screen, uh, the Pastor Study. Uh, If you want to write us, 52 Emerson Avenue North, Minneapolis, 55430. Phone 763-560-4484 or just go to thepastorstudy.org if you'd like more information. So, Dan, God bless you. Thanks so much for being on the air with us. And everybody, uh, pray, go to church, read your Bible, and we'll see you next time on The Pastor Study.
0: Thank you for tuning in to The Pastor Study. We ask... Would you pray for our ministry as we seek to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ? And would you pray about supporting this ministry? Our address is The Pastor Study, 5200 Emerson Avenue North, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55430. Our website is pastorstudy.org. And our phone number is 763-260-4484. May God richly bless you and join us next week at the same time as we study God's word. Until then, may the blessing of our one triune God,
2: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you.